Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It is the 3rd of August. I can hardly believe that, but it is true. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Who do you trust? Like our money says in God we trust, but who do you trust? When you think about people in your life who you trust, do you trust? Well, hmm. I don't really want to start making a list. I really want you to come up with it yourself. Who do you trust? Maybe who do you trust to tell you the truth? Who do you trust to be there when you need them? Who do you trust to help you when you have a question or you're hurting? Um, Who do you trust to come in the middle of the night if you call? Who do you trust? And how much do you trust them and with what? Like there are different people we trust in different ways for different things during different seasons of our lives. And then add into that mix or maybe... Maybe because, you know, you know that every time I ask a question, somewhere in there, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> like, right. You're like, Carmen's kind of like that person who does that um, that Sunday school lesson and sure does sound like a squirrel, but you say Jesus because you know that some one point she's going to tell you that, you know, Jesus was a squirrel. No, Jesus was not a squirrel. But Jesus is the answer to the question, who are you going to trust? Who can you trust? Who should you trust? Who can be trusted with all things? So our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Acknowledge him as maybe the way you memorized this, and he will make your paths straight. So trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust God personally. Trust God as a person. He is real. He is trustworthy. And trust him in submission to his sovereign goodness and his divine perspective. Trust him with all your heart. Lean on his view of things, not your own. His nature, not your own. What does it look like to trust God with all your heart? Um, Jesus, when asked what's the first and greatest commandment, you know, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Um, it's a, a recitation of part of the Shema. Um, this, is, this is how we are to trust God with all that we are and all that we have and all that we do. All our desires, all our considerations, all our actions. Entrust yourself to God. Trust God and entrust yourself, your life, your loves, your livelihood, your well-being, your present, your future. Give it to him. Trust God with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. My perspective is limited. God's perspective is unlimited. There's nothing obstructing his view. Think about that for just a moment. He has no blind spots. There's nothing obstructing his view. 360 camera all the time in every direction. Like 
he sees from beginning to end. Nothing is obscured or blurred or hazy or foggy or smoky. He sees it all, and he sees it all in the perfect context and the complete context of his redemptive plan. You can trust him so much more than your limited, self-interested rationalizations or, as it says here, your own understanding. You can trust him. Lean on God. And then live out of that trust moment by moment. God will make your paths straight. What does that mean? Well, narrow, yes. Direct, yes. Headed purposefully in a direction, yes. Uh, That straight path leads straight to him. God will lead you in a path straight to himself. Challenging, yeah, sometimes, but straight to him. Long, sometimes lonely, yes, but straight to him. Jesus described himself once as the gate or the door to the narrow way that leads home to the Father. And he said, you know, not a lot of people, not not a lot of people find it. Lots of people happy to walk in the big, wide way that leads to destruction. I'm inviting you through the gate, through the door, to the narrow way that leads to life. Jesus actually reveals what a straight path life, trusting God and leaning on him looks like. Are you interested in walking in that way? straight home to the Father's house? If so, then let me encourage you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, straight home. Our friend Ben Johnson is going to join us next. I'm going to ask him, do I have a constitutional right to lie? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Not a liar, liar, pants on fire, but a friend and reliable uh, conversation partner. Ben Johnson is here this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Great to be with you. Mm-hmm. You've never been called liar, liar, pants on fire. I feel confident. Um, okay, let's talk about <laughs> lying and this question. Um, do I have a constitutional right to lie? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a yes and no answer. Uh, I'm going to put it this way. Uh, the the reason that this uh, came up, of course, had to do with. All right. We do not have a good connection with Ben. So while uh, Paul Perot is reconnecting with Ben, I'm going to tell you um, kind of what's behind this conversation so that when we get him back, uh, Ben can answer the question. It was an assignment I gave him last week. Do I have a constitutional right to lie? And it grows out of. Um, something that uh, Rudy Giuliani has been publicly saying. So Rudy Giuliani, um, who is one of the unnamed co-conspirators in the most recent allegations um, uh, brought against the former president of the United States, Rudy Giuliani is on the record. He has conceded that he made public comments falsely claiming that two individuals, two Georgia election workers committed ballot fraud during the 2020 uh, presidential race. So he, he, he told lies publicly about these two people. And now he is arguing that those statements that he made, although they were lies, um, specific lies about specific people who did not do what he publicly said they did, um, he says that that is protected by the First Amendment, that, it, that he has a constitutional right to lie. So that's the, that's the background of the assignment that we gave to Ben um, so, Ben, I have set it up. I've given people the background. What, um, what is your answer to this question 
about whether or not lying about individuals doing particular things at particular points in time, falsely claiming something is true about a person and doing so publicly, um, is that constitutionally protected under the First Amendment? Well, it's a yes and a no. It's it's not a very satisfying answer, to be honest with you. Uh, Part of it being that um, in many cases, the the court simply does not want to get into the issue and doesn't believe that it should be a matter that's uh, that's up for public discussion. Now, as as I understand, uh, there there was a a line somewhere in in this that uh, for the purposes of litigation, Giuliani is not arguing this, so you get the the uh, case that perhaps will make another argument if this does proceed. This is a motion to dismiss, which is usually uh, a procedural claim. So he may have a different answer when it comes to the substance of it. But let's let's go with what we've got, uh, which is there there are cases which are very clearly defined where you cannot tell a lie. Uh, if you are if you are guilty of libel or defamation which is print or on the radio, uh, in a conversation, let's say, something that harms someone, uh, that lowers people's understanding of their reputation and does actual harm. Uh, The person usually has to show some kind of tangible uh, hurt has been done to them. Uh, Either they lose a job, they don't get a job, uh, someone does something that actually hurts their bottom line or hurts them physically, then uh, you you can sue for defamation. Uh, when it comes to a public figure, the bar is much, much higher. It's almost impossible if you're a politician to sue for a libel or defamation, which is why we have uh, the, the cornucopia of lies told about public officials. Uh, and so someone who is in the public light, even in a, a diminished capacity, uh, but whose name has been mentioned even in a, a news story once or twice, could be what's known as a limited purpose public figure, in which case not only do you have to prove that there was something that was false, not only do you have to prove real damages in most cases, but you also have to prove that it was done deliberately with the intention to harm you. So uh, not simply that they, they lied, but they lied deliberately in order to hurt you. Uh, so that's that's a pretty high bar in, in the case of public officials, which is why politicians almost never sue, no matter what's said about them. Now, the other issue would be if there is a law, uh, and there have been in the, in the past uh, a law against making false public claims, for example. A case like that went all the way to the Supreme Court not all that long ago uh, involving Susan B. Anthony List. Uh, they had taken out an ad against a, a man who was running as a pro-life Democrat, Steve Dryhouse. Uh, over on uh, the western part of Ohio near Dayton, they had said that his vote for Obamacare supported, quote, taxpayer-funded abortion. And Dryhouse said, no, I I voted for the law, but there was a pro-life writer, and I don't support taxpayer-funded abortion. They went back and forth, and ultimately the Supreme the the Sixth Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of Dryhouse initially. It went up to the Supreme Court, which threw the case out and remanded it. And in the decision written by Justice Thomas, Uh, He said that they had to reconsider. Ultimately, what they said is when it comes to the state litigating charges where someone is making a a false claim, it doesn't matter. There there shouldn't be laws in favor of of truth or falsehood in most cases because that means the state has to determine what's true or false in every individual case. And that opens it up to massive political bias. So it's a yes and a no. Now, 
under the under the uh, First Amendment, the issue is a little bit murky. Under the Ten Commandments, mm. crystal clear. Amen. No, that's what I wrote in my notes. I'm like, you know, it's one thing to have this conversation uh, under American Jewish uh, uh, under American law. It's another thing to have this conversation in light of the reality that Jesus is the one who is the truth, capital T. Um, that you know that the Bible is really clear about lying and telling the truth, and it's literally against the law of God. Uh, and there you, you surface the Ten Commandments. Um, Jesus identifies his enemy, the devil, as the father of lies. And so, you know, those of us who claim to be the children of God by the blood of Jesus, we're going to be people who tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth all the time, everywhere, um, whether or not we're standing in a U.S. court of law with our hand on the Bible. We're going to do it all the time, everywhere, um, because we follow the one and walk with the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. That's we, we are called to be people of truth who walk in the way, and if Jesus is the truth, then we must conform to that. First John tells us so clearly, the most important commandment is love, and then we will manifest that love by walking in the light and telling the truth. Amen. Hey, let's take a brief break. And when we come back, Ben, I'd like for you to tell us what's going on in Oklahoma. We were kind of excited about a charter school there, and uh, it's possible that now that is on hold. So we're talking to Ben Johnson. We're talking uh, about some headline news. We're bringing the mind of Christ to bear as we consider what it looks like and what it means to live as Christians in the culture today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians— Reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Talking with our friend Ben Johnson, you can find what he is writing at WashingtonStand.com. Ben, can you brief us in on this situation in Oklahoma? And then I want to talk with you about uh, the faith of Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, in Oklahoma, it's uh, an ongoing saga. It's happened over many years, but there's a a Catholic school that is applied and uh, was approved, apparently, to become a charter school. This is St. Isidore of Seville Catholic Virtual School. Uh, They were supposed to open not this coming fall, but next fall. But uh, there's a lawsuit in place from, among others, uh, the ACLU and Americans United for Separation of Church and State, Uh, people who generally file lawsuits in cases like this, where they say that this would 
violate the concept of separation of church and state, uh, that it would have taxpayers fund a religious organization. And it's a unique situation because it's not a, a voucher program. It's a charter school. Uh, so it would, uh, in effect, uh, the the uh, state and its uh, supporters are saying that a charter school is not like a public school. You have charter schools and magnet schools and things of that sort dedicated to one particular discipline or particular theme, and uh, they are run uh, oftentimes as kind of satellites uh, and and more or less run by uh, outside organizations. The uh, ACLU and others say yes, but they're run with taxpayer money. And taxpayer money says that under state law, they have to be, quote, non-sectarian. Um, now, that word could be interesting because that word uh, has essentially been what uh, was known as the Blaine Law. And Blaine Laws were struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court several years ago in a case dealing uh, with uh, an issue like this having to do with scholarships uh, in Montana. Uh, ultimately, that program was struck down because, uh, according to Chief Justice Roberts, you don't have to allow these kinds of programs and you don't have to allow religious people to um, to participate in public programs of this sort. But if you allow public program to be general for everyone, then you can't exclude religious people simply uh, due to the fact that they do believe and they have a faith. And certainly that's uh, what the people at uh, St. Isidore believe is happening to them. Yeah, this is going to be an an ongoing and unfolding um, situation, and I think ultimately it will be resolved in favor of uh, of the school. But the process is uh, is uh, is tiresome. Uh, let's talk about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He is now uh, the person in you know in third place um, in the Republican primary. Um, he is an interesting person. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with him. Um, he is uh, uh, he is Hindu. Um, he is uh, a person who I would say personifies the American dream. He is um, to the right of former President Trump on many issues, and he has an interesting um, uh, public approach to Christians. He recognizes that he would need the evangelical vote um, were he to become the Republican nominee um, for the presidency. So can we talk a little bit about his faith, what we know, and um, and maybe what this conversation tells us, Ben, about where we are in terms of um, our acceptance of people of faith, even if their faith is not our own? Yeah, Vivek, uh, of course, is from uh, my home state of Ohio. He's uh, based in Columbus and uh, uh, has raised the alarm against a lot of the uh, woke capital issues that have been taking place in corporations for a long time has a business background, and he's Hindu. Uh, he's obviously uh, he's Indian from a, a long line of Hindus as far back as his family tree is able to keep track, and he's practicing. He does believe, he says, in his faith. But he realizes, as you say, most, uh, uh, most Republican primary voters are either Christian or Christian-leaning. Uh, they're, they're either uh, believers or there are some who are uh, secular but have a lot of the same values as we do. And he does as well. Uh, so he has campaigned and said, uh, I share your values, and I'm a person of faith as well. Because I practice my faith, I understand the importance of religion in people's lives, and I want you to be able to practice your faith just as clearly and as publicly and as openly as I practice mine, and vice versa. So uh, he's, he's essentially made the sort of John F. Kennedy argument 
from 1960 beyond Protestant and Catholicism. He's, he's talking about Christianity and other faiths. Uh, it, obviously, he would be the, the first open non-Christian to serve as, as uh, president of the United States, the, uh, the first person who openly subscribes to another faith uh, other than, than uh, uh, that of Christianity. Everyone else is a professed believer. So it would be a major historical step, which is, is often left out. For Christians, uh, obviously, under the U.S. Constitution, we were talking about the law earlier, under the Constitution, we're not allowed to have a religious test, uh, finding out uh, or setting standards for office, although in the uh, very early days of the Republic, many states did have those standards for voters as well as candidates, by the way. In North Carolina, I think till 1813, uh, officially, you could not be a Roman Catholic and vote or something along those lines. So it was, it was something that lasted for some time uh, in, in some of the colonies. Now uh, it's understood by, by uh, Supreme Court and court jurisprudence. Uh, everyone can vote. Everyone can run for office. And uh, for Christians, what's, what's important for us, ideally, we would like someone who shares our faith uh, and identifies with our faith. But we're, we're not electing a pastor. We are electing a president. And so what's important also is this individual's track record, what they have said on our issues, what they've done on, on our issues, if they've been in office or have had a public platform, and holding their feet to the fire to assure that they accomplish that when they are in office. So uh, in many cases, uh, due to the, uh, the changing nature of the electorate, changing natures of candidates as well, what's important for us is that our religious liberty and the right to life and, uh, and our ability to live that faith out in the public square on major issues and parental rights are all respected. And uh, Vivek has, has got a platform on that that he can be judged on. Yeah, I think um, we will unpack the worldview of, of Hinduism um, here in conversations over time, because I do think that um, there are it's probably not only of interest to people, but important to recognize you know what? What is the worldview that drives a particular individual? What what does guide their decision making? And um, and certainly a person who not only expresses that they are a person of a particular faith, um, but that they're practicing that faith. Um, in you know that not just a belief in, but a, a practitioner of. Like that's really uh, that's really important. So Ben, thank you so much for beginning the conversation today about Vivek Ramaswamy and his candidacy for the presidency. Um, uh, and the the recognition, right, that we are uh, not electing a pastor and certainly the two leading candidates on both sides of the aisle, although professed Christians um, are not Christians in terms of their their lifestyle, their lived behavior and their track record. So it's um it's a challenge. Right. I mean, there's some there's some in name only. Um, uh, sometimes people put the badge on, but they're not actually um, manifesting or enfleshing the reality. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, just like in our First Amendment discussion, the, the guidelines are clear from Christ. The way that we live that out sometimes requires a lot of prudence and judgment and uh, a certain amount of murkiness. Amen. Yeah, no, that's really true. Hey, Ben, thank you as always so much. You guys uh, can check up, uh, check out what Ben is writing and catch up with him at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Back to school. I know for some people it's still a month away. For some folks, it's uh, it's Monday away. Mm-hmm. And today is Thursday and Monday's coming. So uh, back to school stuff up at uh, at stores all over the place. Tax-free holidays in some parts of the country. 
Um, and so uh, I guess I'm wondering, how are you preparing? Um, how are you praying for? I don't know about you, but in my community, like the lights are already flashing, the, the, you know, the warnings get, get ready to slow down again. School's going to be starting up. Um, every time I enter a school zone, uh, instead of becoming frustrated uh, by uh, how slow I have to go, I, I just say to the Lord, all right, slow me down inside and lead me to be praying for each one of these little people and their families and the situations in their homes and um, whether or not they had breakfast today and uh, and the teachers that are going to receive them and, and the places they're going to play and a hedge of protection around the physical spaces they're going to be uh, they're going to be. And so I'm going to invite you to consider joining Moms in Prayer and praying for our kids and their schools as we enter into this new school year. So um, think of a campus that's near you or one that you pass by uh, on your way to or returning from work or from church, whatever, and think about what would it look like for you to, in your heart, adopt that school campus this year and be praying for those kids and everything that's happening therein. Moms in Prayer, Sally Burke, up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, what fun to have Sally Burke back with us from Moms in Prayer. You can connect with Moms in Prayer and all the resources we're going to talk about today at momsinprayer.org. Sally, how are you? I am fantastic. It's so good to be with you. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you as well. So um, I thought it would be good, um, you know, in school year is just not that far away, hard to imagine, but it's just not that far away. We are refocused on our local schools where I live, um, and there's like a distribution this week of school supplies and backpacks, and um, I saw a group of people um, walking the perimeter of, of the school property when that was going on, and I thought to myself, Yep, they're, they're prayer walking their school campus, and that made my heart delight and reminded me that... We need to get more and more moms and grandmas and aunts out there doing that. So who and what is Moms in Prayer? Well, Moms in Prayer is simply where two or more women gather together just one hour once a week and they pray. Our mission is to impact children in schools for Christ by gathering women together to pray. And our vision is that every child, every school in the world would be covered in prayer. I love that. So this is an international effort. Um, I'd love for you to touch on that um, as well. Um, But this is happening in local communities across the United States. So can you maybe take us into a Moms in Prayer experience? Like, what would um, a woman who's engaged in Moms in Prayer experience in that one hour a week with with other moms? I would love to, you know, and Moms of Her simply began when one mom was so burdened for nickels for her children that she grabbed another mom and they prayed. So one hour, once a week, you meet locally, like I meet in Temecula. I prayed for my kids that were in middle and in elementary school. And that's when I started. And we start with praise. We, the four steps are praise, silent confession, thanksgiving, and intercession. And when I joined, I never prayed out loud before in my life. That group just welcomed me in. I heard the praises of these precious women, the scripture, like God is sovereign. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent, you know, just all of those praises, God's word going up. And I knew this was a place for me. Well, as we began to put our children's name in God's word and scripture, 
I would see answers to prayer, the most remarkable answers to prayer, whether it be a child that struggled with reading, learning to read, or a child finding a best friend, or over a hundred kids would come in monthly and hear the good news and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, where 14 and now it's 15 out of 22 of the original teachers we prayed for came to know Jesus. And then they began to pray. And I like how one of the teachers said, this was a public school. And yet as if we were on a private Christian campus. And God did that by us just coming together that one hour once a week and praying, giving our burdens, our fears, our worries to God and him unleashing his power to do his will on that campus. We're talking with Sally Burke. We're talking about Moms in Prayer International. You can um, find them and connect with Moms in Prayer in your own community at momsinprayer.org. Every school is a school that needs God's protection, God's provision. Every child is in need of God's promises. And um, just our schools seem like places where so much evil is focused, like all this attention is focused on, you know, like capturing their little hearts and minds. And this is actually a really positive way that we as Christians can engage. We can engage in that spiritual battle. Um, it's also really life-giving and empowering to uh, to moms and to their kids. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like this is not this is a ministry that gives you as much as it gets. Does, does that make sense at all, Sally? Like oh. this is a... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it forever changed uh, my life, you know, as a brand new Christian, as brand new to prayer. And now I'm teaching women around the world to pray and empowering them. Since the beginning of time, the enemy has been after the children of God. And nothing is new under the sun. And, and God tells us in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And then he tells you, put on the full armor of God. And then he tells you, pray, pray using God's word. So we have an incredible opportunity. The enemy would like to think, oh, he has the school campuses. And it doesn't matter if you're a child's homeschool, private school, charter school, or public school. You have an opportunity, this divine moment in time, to impact them. God has chosen these children in this period of time. He's placed them right here to rise up like David, who slew a giant, Daniel, who closed the, the mouths of lions, Esther, who saved a nation. Our children have been placed right here. Our part is prayer. You know, you, you look at Ezekiel 22, God says, Who will stand in the gap for my children? Nobody. And they were taken captive. Yet Moses and his friends stood in the gap and prayed. And those children were sent to the promised land. God has the most incredible plan for this next generation. And I know that because he's raised up tens of thousands of women all over the world to be praying for this generation. So we must, we must be about prayer and 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 as soon as I went into my first mom's in prayer meeting, I was so touched by God. And I've been in it 33 years now. And every time it's a divine moment of time as I go into my group, and 
I pray and God moves on those campuses, whatever campus I pray for, he's moving. And I, I like how you say protection it, because I get reports. I get hundreds of answers to prayer and reports every other month. Uh, over a, we're in over 150 countries and there'll be such things as in just one state where four shootings were stopped, even though those people had guns on the campus and had plans to shoot, they were stopped because that Muslim prayer group had been praying for protection. Or when I was in Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, how this one school, the tornado just went around it because those moms had gathered that morning and prayed for protection. I mean, it's amazing what God will do, but we have not because we ask not. So please come be a part of Moms in Prayer. There's so many more schools to cover in prayer. We're going to continue our conversation with Sally Burke here in just a moment. We're talking about Moms in Prayer. You can connect with a Moms in Prayer group right where you are at momsinprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Sally Burke. She is um, engaged in the leadership of Moms in Prayer. You can connect with them at momsinprayer.org. Um, one of the things I love about the Moms in Prayer website, Sally, is the blog. And I recently um, <clears throat> read the blog that's posted there called God is With You in the Ups and Downs of Motherhood. And we're talking a lot about God's presence here on Faith Radio during the month of August. And so I thought it's a prime opportunity to lift up this particular blog and celebrate the the presence of God and the care of God and uh, and the way that we speak that over our kids. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I usually like to start my school year with that attribute of God, that he is all present. He's all present with our children. He doesn't leave them nor forsake them. He's right there with them. And and I like how in the ups and downs, I mean, there's always going to be a battle for the children. But when you go into that moms in prayer group, that other mom, like Aaron and her that held up the arms of Moses as the children of Israel were in battle, we grow tired, we grow weary. Yet God and these other women come alongside of us. God knows the plans that he has for our children to prosper them, to give them a future and a hope, not not harm. So we must always remember that there are going to be good days and there are going to be really, really tough days. And all of us face that. Every single one of us face that. Yet the battle belongs to the Lord. And the Lord will give us that shalom, that peace. He tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to him. And here's the great exchange. 
And he will give you that peace as we all understanding. He will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So our part is to come to the very throne room of God, knowing that God is the one who created our kids, the one who has ordained their days, the one who knows what their future and their hope is. And he's right there with them in that classroom. He's right there with them in that school or if they're adults or the grandchildren, he is right there with them. Yeah, I love that. Maybe you're listening right now and you've you've forgotten this great truth that God cares about you. Um, he cares about your household. He cares about your child, your grandchild, their school, their classmates, their teacher, the administrators, the coaches, the the janitor, the lunch ladies. God cares about the kids that nobody else seems to care about. Um we are called to be a people of, of prayer who then genuinely extend care in the spirit of the God who cares for us. And so we talk a lot about sharing the gospel. This is a, um, a, an important, tangible component of walking our faith out um, in the reality of the world that God so loves. And so we want to invite you, if you're not engaged in a prayer group, Moms in Prayer is a great, tangible way to get engaged. Now, let me ask this, Sally, if um, somebody's listening right now and they're like, well, I'm I'm not a, like a mom who has kids at home. Is moms in prayer still for me? Oh, yes. The older our kids get, the more they need prayer, it seems. You know, they're not, they're not in our house, but they're still making decisions that affect their lives. They still need our prayers. And, and trust me, my adult children are so very grateful that I pray for them. And then my grandchildren, I get the opportunity to pray for them. And then I get the opportunity, if my kids are grown and I can pray for a local school that's not covered. And I have witnessed how the transformation that local school where my kids don't even go to now has prayer and what God is doing on that campus. So please, women. Uh, we have three country coordinators who are not moms, but the children of their country are their children. So please come and join us. Just go to momsandprayer.org and be a part of what God is doing on behalf of the children in schools. Yeah, it's so encouraging um, to the moms of the kids who happen to be in a particular school or in a particular community to have other women, particularly older women of faith, walk with them in the midst of this. Um, it also gives us that intergenerational opportunity to begin entering into real friendships. Um, we have proximity with women who are younger than us um, and gives us that opportunity to then, you know, walk with them during the stretch of discipleship that they happen to be in right now. And in all likelihood, it's a it's a stretch that you as an older disciple have already um, traversed. And so um, what a privilege and what a blessing to to circle back around and walk in this stretch with um, with moms who might be experiencing many of those struggles that you experienced in the past, but they're doing it for the first time, you know, with their kids. And everybody's um, experience of discipleship, journey of discipleship is unique, but there are some rhythms to it, and the ups and downs are certainly there for each and every one of us. So I want to encourage you um, to to get engaged, uh, moms in prayer dot o-r-g um is there anything else sally that you just you had on your heart that you wanted to share today and um, we've got a couple of minutes left so i want to just leave that open um, to give you an opportunity to do that 
Yeah, just just a few things. You are so right. Uh, when I walked into my moms and prayer group, there were older moms who definitely mentored me and and changed my life, had a great impact on my life. So you you don't want to miss out on that, no matter what your age is. And that young mom is a blessing to you. Uh, too. So it's an incredible community of prayer. God created us for that community of prayer. And I want to invite women. Um, we're having two events in which they can come to. One is in North Texas, and it's happening on September 30th. You Again, you can go to our website under events and find out more. Uh, New Orleans, we're going to have one there on November 11th. But uh, please come and be a part. I promise you, your life will be forever changed and touched by God, your children's lives will be blessed by the hand of God. They will impact their campuses and their children's children will impact their campuses for Christ. So take this divine moment of time and come and be a part of a prayer movement. Yeah, I also love the Bless Our Schools Sunday. And so um, if you, again, if you go to the events page at momsinprayer.org, um, you can you can click on the resources related um, to Bless Our Schools Sunday. And if you don't already have one of those on the calendar at your local church, this is a great opportunity to engage your entire church in praying for God's blessing on the schools of your community. Sally, what a joy um, to have you with us today. We're so grateful. Oh, thank you. And thank you for mentioning Bless Our School Sundays. The churches of the world join with us to pray for the children in the schools. It's an incredible uh, day to invite your church to be a part of that. Thank yeah. you, Carmen. It's, I'm so excited to be with you once again. You are a sweet, sweet blessing. Well, that is mutual. Thank you so much. That's Sally Burke. You can connect with her and the Moms in Prayer movement at momsinprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. Uh, our friend Deb Stein is uh, is texting in on the text line, and she says, hey, there's a uh, there's a Moms in Prayer event in the Twin Cities on September the 30th. So, um, folks can check that out on the event page as well. Um, your state probably has a Moms in Prayer related group. I know that Minnesota does, and they got a grandma's group and, you know, all, all kinds of things going on. So um, you can check them out online on Facebook um, and and connect locally where you are. Let's um, Let's take a minute to be praying for one another as the school year approaches. Maybe this is... Um, the Sunday or one of the Sundays coming up when you're going to, you know, do like promotion Sunday where kids are going to move up from one grade to another. And I guess it's a good opportunity to remind us all that, you know, from God's perspective, we're all we're all children and we're all supposed to be um, continually growing in grace. And so what Sunday school class are you going to be in this year? You know, where where are you going to be? Um, growing in your knowledge and understanding of God and the things of God and what God's Word has to say. And my guess is, if your uh, church is like many others, um, they still need they still need loving adults who care about kids um, to engage in the discipleship ministries. And so. Um, if you say to yourself, gosh, I don't, I just, there's just so many things that I don't know and I'd like to know more about. Uh, in my experience, teaching 
children's Sunday school is a great opportunity to learn. It's a great opportunity to learn. I remember teaching a fifth grade Sunday school class with my husband, Jim, and another couple. This goes back to when Matthew was in fifth grade. So, you know, he's now a senior in high school, starts on Monday. And so this has been a number of years ago. Um, But in preparing to teach that class, we learned a lot. So it was, we spent the whole year just doing attributes of God or names of God, I think is what it was called. But, um, you know, every single week, you know, I am preparing for that class and I am learning about whatever name or attribute of God we were going to be focused in on. And it was such an enriching experience. And so let me encourage you to be praying for schools in your community and kids and school boards and administrators and teachers and all the things that are needed in every classroom. And while we're at it, let's be praying for um, church schools and Sunday school, like, right, church-related education that's going to be taking place. And then I'm always led, as I, um, as I consider these things, then I'm always led to think about kids that don't have what they need to start the school year. And many of us um, sponsor kids around the world through all kinds of child sponsorship programs. Um, One Child is uh, the child sponsorship program that we have uh, uh, partnered with here at Faith Radio. And so I have a a student globally who I continue to support through that ministry. Um, And that, you know, that enables her to have what she needs to go to school, including um, the, the fees that are required you know, for kids around the world, they don't have public schools like we do in many, many places. And so, you know, you got to pay to go. And so um, in order for her to have the clothes that she needs and uh, the books that she needs and the fees that cover the cost and, and a meal during the day, like that's what child sponsorship around the world um, in most places covers. And so you might in your own community just think about that. Like, what if I went to my local school and I just said, hey, is there a kid in our community who kind of like needs a needs a child sponsor. Like, you know, you know they need supplies, you know they need school clothes, you know that in order for them to excel this year, um, they they really kind of need a community sponsor because maybe that's something that I could do. Just think about that. Maybe that's something that you could do. Maybe you could kind of sponsor a child in your own community. All right. um, um, We're so privileged uh, to know God and to be to have access to the Word of God and to be able to talk about Him freely and to lift up our prayers together and and to do so on air. Like, isn't that just so cool when you stop to think about it just for a moment? And so if you want me to be praying with you at the beginning of this school year for a particular student or teacher or school, just text me. Just give me, you know, give me the name. You don't, you don't have to say a lot. You can give me the name, the location, Uh, the name of the person. Um, uh, I love this from Kim. She says, uh, our family is very excited to be helping recommission a 150-year-old church in downtown Minneapolis um, on 10th and Marquette. So uh, go, Eagle Brook. All right, so I love that. That's um, that's so amazing. Um, Giving glory to God for opportunities in our own communities and um, just be looking around. Be looking around uh, and and see what is uh, what is happening out there in the world. Blessings upon people who are making life moves today and starting new jobs and uh, engaging with new ministries. Um, may you be blessed as God pours forth His grace in and through you. Um, 
for the day which now lies ahead. We got another hour together. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.